Hi guys, in today's Fight Site interview, I have the pleasure to interview Daya Davis, the boxing coach of Dustin Poirier. As Dustin is fighting Dan Hooker in a couple of days, uh, I wanted to talk with Daya Davis about the, the improvement of Dustin's uh, boxing, so his work with him, and about the, the Daya Davis background, how he came into boxing and then into MMA, and his work with other fighters like, like a Gillian Robertson. But mostly we're going to talk a lot about Dustin Poirier, so check it out. Well, I actually started boxing late. I had, I had little to no interest as a kid. My, uh, my passion in sport was basketball. So from the age of 12 on to about, I don't know, 12 or 12 to the, from the age of 12 to 17, I thought I was going to be a professional ba basketball player. You know, I played in my high school and I was, I was, you know, pretty good there. And then once I got to college, I wanted to continue, but that didn't happen. Um, my mom, she wanted to relocate, and I didn't want to go with her. You know, being at I was 17, going in, going on to 18, I decided I wanted to attend a community college um, in Long Island in New York, and she wanted to move upstate New York. And you know, upstate upstate New York is very country, and I knew it just wasn't for me. So I decided that I was going to stay, and um, I stayed, and I, I went to school. So my hoop dreams went out the window because I had to get a job. So I got a job. College didn't work out for me. Uh, just, I, don't know, I, just, I just wasn't in the school at that point. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I was working as a, uh, as a manager at a tuxedo company. Um, so I was you know, handling weddings and proms and so have it. And then a few years into that, I just, I just knew this wasn't the direction for me my life you know like I wanted to do something else so I was watching a heavyweight fight between Lennox Lewis and Vitaly Klitschko this was Lennox's Lennox Lewis's last fight and Vitaly Klitschko was called short notice on like three weeks notice and he was doing very well with the champion Lennox Lewis at the time and I said man I think I can do this I can box I said I could be heavyweight champion of the world at the time I was 228 pounds so I was a little on the heavy side so I felt, I felt that I could be heavyweight. So I called my dad up and I said, uh, I called him the day after the fight. And I said, dad, I want to box. And he, you know, his reaction was like, box what? Like, what do you want to box? Oranges and grapes? And I said, come on, dad. And I said, no, I want to I box. I think I can do this. I think I could be heavyweight champion of the world. And he said, son, you're 6'1". You know, you're 228 pounds, but you don't belong at that weight. You need to lose weight change your diet, and start running. And ultimately, that was my first test to see how serious I was about the sport. So uh, I did that. I ran for about four months. I ran six days a week, running three miles a day, six days a week. And uh, in four months' time, I got, I got my weight down. I dropped 45 pounds. I got down to about 183, 184 pounds. And at that point, he knew I was serious about what it is that I was seeking out to do. So uh, he says, look, come on down. I'll give you a two-week trial. I think you got what it takes. If you got what it takes, then you, then you can stay here in Florida. I was in New York. And uh, if not, then you're going back home. So I said, all right. So I packed my stuff up, came down. He gave me a trial. He liked everything that he saw. And that was it. That's where my story began. So I trained for about eight months. Uh, 
didn't fight amateur. At the time, it was an Olympic year. It was 2004. And I knew ultimately if I was going to try to achieve the same things that he achieved, which was going on into the Olympics and winning a gold medal, I would have had to wait another four years. And at the age of 23, I knew I didn't have that time on my side. So I didn't want to start a professional career after trying to trying to win the Olympics at 27, 28 years old. So uh, we decided to get my experience in the pros, you know, picking my opposition accordingly. And in each fight, my opponent got better. You know, each, each, each fight, my opponents gradually got better. So that's how I got my experience. I, my experience was basically on-the-job training. Hey, it's funny that you come from a boxing family but studied basketball. And, uh, and is, do you feel it's because as you grew up, there was so much boxing all around you that you kind of like was not that interested because it was all over the place because your grandfather used to box, your uncle also? That is correct. My grandfather fought, my father fought, obviously, my, my uncle fought. My uncle, my uncle was very good as well. He was a, I believe, a, a two-time Uh, uh, National Golden Gloves winner in New York, and he also went on to fight pro. He had he retired five and zero, undefeated. Um, but my uncle moved on into into law enforcement. He knew that he felt after five fights, he felt that boxing wasn't for him. So uh, yeah, it's definitely in, in the bloodline. But as a kid, I just had no interest in it. I remember, you know, the the trials and tribulations, like the ups and downs that my father went through in his career. And I remember for his last fight, I was 15 years old. This was in uh, 1996. He had made a comeback at the age of 38. And then he fought a guy out in Boston, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, the opponent's name was Dana Rosenblatt. And that was his last fight. And I remember before the fight, there was a story on Dateline on how how some boxers received some traumatic injuries, you know, brain injuries. And I'm like, man, who the hell would ever want to do boxing? Like, you know, a lot of a lot of fighters, I won't say a lot of fighters, but a good percentage of fighters walk away from the game with, uh, you know, without the same faculties that they walk in with, you know, slurred speech, um, just concussions and, you know, guys, forgetfulness and all that stuff. So, When I thought about it at that age, at 15 years old, I said, man, who the hell would, who the hell would want to do boxing? This is crazy. Like, who would want to live with traumatic brain injuries? So I, I immediately, at the age of 15, eliminated boxing. You know, I was like, man, hell no, I would never do that. That's crazy. And then eight years later, here I am calling my dad up, feeling as if I could be heavyweight world champion of the world. This Lennox Lewis Klitschko fight that kind of gave you the love for boxing. When you start loving boxing, is there some fighter that you grew up watching a lot and liking a lot? Oh, 100%. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, I watch tons of my father's footage. Uh, I watched Evander Holyfield, Sugar Ray Leonard, of course, Pernell Whitaker. I was watching like very crafty fighters, like guys who I wanted to model my, my career after. So I would watch like students of the game, guys I can learn from, James Tony, uh, Salvador Sanchez. Oh right. Bernard uh, Whitaker, if I didn't if I didn't mention him already. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, like the Robert Todulan, the guys like this, very crafty boxer. Yeah, 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 crafty boxer, man. Uh, then, then I started watching like guys who, who had nothing but like highlight reels, you know, like Roy Jones. He had yeah, like a highlight reel of a, a career in the, in the 90s, of course. Um, I mean, the guy would, you know, throw jumping hooks and jumping right hands and then roll under just as magnificent in, in the 90s. Yeah, it's funny because like Roy Jones, you know, he was probably one of the best athletes to box. And he has like crazy athleticism, athleticism, and other guys like Salvador Sanchez. They were very, very technical and super crafty. Very, and so, very, very, very if I'm correct, your first connection with American Top Team came from your father, right? He coached some MMA fighters. One hundred percent correct. My dad was originally the boxing coach at American Top Team, and uh, you know he was responsible for. Some of the some of the hands of the early on days, like Dennis Kang, Jay-Z's Cavalcante, uh, Tiago Alves. You know, he worked with everybody. Yeah, the Jeff Munson, you know, the, the, the earlier, 2004, 2003 on, till about 2010 is when my dad left American Top Team and subsequently started his own promotional company. So after you, your, your boxing career, I think you stopped in 2016? No, actually, yeah, I stopped in 2016, but I was coaching. So basically when my dad left American Top Team, he said, hey, look, he's like, I understand that you're still fighting. You're still in the, oh. I can still hear you, it's okay. Yeah, sorry about that. I got, I got a phone call. Um, yeah, so he understood that, you know, I was still fighting. But he says, hey, look, you know, fighting isn't going to be forever. He says, why don't you, he's like, I, I think you enjoy the craft. I think you enjoy teaching the craft. I see you working with other people and, and, and showing them things that they're not too familiar with. He says, why don't you take on this coaching gig? You know, I said, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. I want to start my own promotional company. He says, look, uh, Ricardo Laborio was, you know, one of the main guys there at the time. He says, look, I'm going to talk to Laborio. Let them know that you're interested in uh, in teaching. And what do you think? And I said, yeah, absolutely. No. So that's that was in 2010. So I've, I've been a coach. I've been a, a boxing coach there since 2010. All right. That, uh, so it's been 10 years that you're with ATT now. 10 years, yeah. And so when you were boxing through, through that, did you always kept an eye on MMA because your father was coaching MMA or did you have... Did you not know about oh, yeah, too much? Yeah. Well, being that my father was coaching the athletes, the MMA athletes, that's when I really turned my eye on MMA. Uh, prior to that, I was you know, fish out of water. I didn't understand any, anything about the art of jiu-jitsu uh, and all the other martial arts, kickboxing, wrestling. But once I got to American, American Top Team, I started to understand the craft. I didn't, I didn't actually participate in any of it. Um, but I understood the craft, you know. So although I, I didn't participate, I knew what I, I knew what I was watching when guys got on the floor, you know. Like if guys were on the floor and other fans were booing, you know, I understood that guys were trying to work a certain position to subsequently try to finish a guy, whether it be on bar or Mora or uh, north-south choke or, you know, whatever it is that I was looking at. Like I understood it. I just couldn't perform it. Yeah, but at, for a coach, it's very important to at least understand it because it changed your boxing 
uh, your job as a boxing coach, you're not coaching boxers. So you can you, you have to sort that it's only four ounce gloves that you can set up takedowns with over right hand stuff like this. So I guess being around a lot of talent in ATT probably help you catch up with your MMA knowledge quickly because there's so many people there. Right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very important as a coach to understand the different elements of the game. You know, like obviously uh, a boxing stance is going to be a little bit a little bit different than a, a mixed martial arts stance. You know, like in a mixed martial arts stance, you have to defend kicks. You have to stand probably a little bit more square. You know, you can't stay you can't stand as skinny uh, as I call it skinny as most boxers stand. You know, you, you like to stand skinny, present less of a target. So I, I try to I try to blend in both worlds as best as possible without compromising too much of their art. You know, I got a bounce up on what you said as soon as you say square, because now I have to mention Dustin Poirier, who's often square when he has guy, guys against the fence. And he's more, right. because the movement is different in MMA and boxing, he's very good at cutting the cage and hurting people. And once you get them on the cage, like if someone just come from boxing with watch, they will be like, ah, oh, but his foot are almost on the same line. He's too square, but, he, but he, he's been able to create a lot of powers, even in that stance. Right. Uh, yeah, Dustin is a big fan of boxing, man. So um, he incorporates a lot of a lot of his game, a lot of his influences from boxing. Uh, from, uh, from what I saw in his just him following on Instagram and everything, he watched a lot of boxing also. I often watch him watching like some Julio Cesar Chavez, some Duran, some Sugar Ray Leonard. So he's one of the students of the game also. 100%. Um, you know, there are times where fights are on that I may not even know about. Dustin's texting me, hey man, you watching this fight? And I'm talking about boxing. And I'm like, oh snap, I didn't even know boxing was on tonight. He's like, come on, champ. Come on, champ. You got to know. You got you to gotta be up to date. So there are times where he's filling me in and about the game that you know, I'm not even aware of. Um, but a lot of times I, I share with him that I, that boxes who I think that he should be watching that are going to help, um, that are going to help, uh, help with his game. You know, like I'll tell him to watch a, a Pernell Whitaker or a Lomachenko or, you know, just great southpaws that I think that he should be watching. A lot of times I'm, I'm telling defense, telling Dustin to be working on his defense just as much as his offense, if not harder on his defense than his, than his offense, because um, defense is, if not more, is as important. Well, yeah, definitely, else. if there was one southpaw to watch, it's Whitaker for sure. Pernell is one is up there, especially because right. even in boxing, he was so good at transitioning from offense to defense. And mm -hmm. he's probably one of the best boxer fighting on the back foot. Dustin, yeah, yeah, you can, you can. Are you talking about Dustin? Uh, so no, sorry, I was saying Whitaker was probably one of the best oh, southpaw boxer to fight on the back foot, and there's definitely some stuff that Dustin learns through the years to not only just go forward, to be able to 100%. fight on the back foot when necessary. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I mean, uh, a classic example is uh, is the Gaethje fight. You know, like we know Gaethje is the aggressor. Um, we boxed, we moved. He got hurt with some low kicks, obviously. Um, but what's funny is that one of the things that we worked on, and me as a boxing coach, I'm not a, I'm not a Muay Thai coach, but I, I identified what some of Gaethje's strengths were. And his strengths were that low kick, you know, that, that powerful low kick. So even in the, in the dressing room, 
actually posted it on my Instagram, but somehow it got deleted because I, I shared it alongside his highlight knockout of Gaethje. And I think, I don't know, UFC got a hold of it or what, but it, it ended up um, getting removed from my Instagram. But I was throwing low kicks and working on countering, countering the low kick with a, left, a straight left hand right yeah. down the middle. And that's what ultimately got Gaethje hurt. That's what initiated him off balance, getting hurt, and Dustin ultimately finishing him. Yeah, actually, Dustin uh, in that fight, he did a good job uh, a few times to check the kick and counter with the left straight right away. But in the right. the, the, the one you mentioned, the, the last left straight that started everything, what I love about it is that so he, he, he landed a good jab, and then he faked in the jab to do the reaction that Gaethje would land the kick and time the left straight perfectly, right on the chin. And I was like... Right. That's so good that he became uh, good enough to even draw a reaction from opponents when he's on the back foot. Right, right. And it. And that's, a, that's another thing that we've been we've been working on. I mean, there's been times where um, Dustin has has hurt a hurt a guy, and instead of you know trying to break him down and get him out of there without any problems or even compromising his position to where he can get taken down. We've been working on being very patient, taking our time, and making sure we can get back to how we hurt him, and then ultimately putting him away. Yeah, I feel like the first Alvarez fight is the perfect lesson that could happen to him. 100. Because he got, he got caught by that left hook that he should never be caught with. Right, right. Agreed, 100%. And that was that's a classic example of hurting a guy and then running into something. And, of your own, you know? and in the rematch or even against Holloway, he learned from that lesson for sure. 100%. That's why Mr. Poirier is a student of the game. Oh, Dustin, what's up? What's up, brother? Hey, Dustin, we need to get you on for the podcast, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. For sure, I'll get down. That would be dope. Yeah, man. So, yeah, that definitely against, like, even against Max Holloway, Dustin did a much better job when he went against the fans that in former fights. 100%. Patience, man. Patience is key. Patience is a virtue. And um, You gotta understand, once you get a guy hurt, you gotta do the same thing on how you got him hurt. So if that means if you push, position yourself, if you were patient behind your jab, you know, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean get reckless and then try to put the guy away. And, you know, when, when, you, when you start working with Dustin, he was already like a pretty good boxer for MMA. Like he already had like a good background. But you work right. with other athletes that have no experience in boxing. And can, can you talk about what is the first fundamental that you work with them? Uh, the foundation. I mean, you know, we work on foot positioning. Uh, we, obviously start, we obviously start with the, uh, the basic jab, the cross, the left hook, making sure the chin is down. Um, the feet are positioned correctly. Feet are positioned right under the shoulders. Feet should be shoulder-width apart. Um, you know, a good foundation, good basics go a long way. Because you know, you look like, somebody, uh, even you, you when you start like, uh, getting into MMA, was it tough for you to, to understand the difference between the 10-ounce glove and the 4-ounce gloves? And why some fighter wants to overextend so much because it's so tentative, you know, to, to knock out someone because the gloves are so thin? Right. Yeah, no, I understand. But at, at the same time, like, you can't overextend. I think, I think some of the rules that are in boxing also apply to, apply to MMA as well. Oh, yeah. You, um, you come from definitely boxing Definitely don't want to overextend. 
I, I always get mad when I see like people overextending. But um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, um, for example, Gillian Robertson, you work with her, I think. Gillian Robertson, yeah. Well, she, she just last. started kickboxing late in her career and she's more like a great grappler. And uh, she says she improved a lot of striking. Like, can you talk about it a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah, Jillian, basically with Jillian, we just had to go back and work on her fundamentals. Just taking it back to the basics. Uh, not really working on a lot of advanced things with her. Um, but we're just keeping things simple, making sure her footing is right. Um, her hands are where they need to be. Uh, she's moving her head after she's throwing punches. She's thinking of incorporating her defense into her offense. So once she's done, she has to, you know, you have to obviously think that or expect that you're throwing, but something's coming back at you once you're finished throwing. So. Yeah, actually, I had an interview with her like two weeks ago, and I mentioned that like we were talking about her fights like in chronological order. And you can see like that, what I loved about it is that she tries to only do like fundamentals correctly and not to do crazy stuff. Like often people, you know, the grapplers, you must have seen that grapplers that start boxing and kind of fell in love with the boxing and right. start, try to do stuff too complicated. Yeah. Well, we know, her, we know what her strength is. Her strength is obviously her grappling. So of course. Um, we just want to equip her boxing well enough to, to where she can get to where she performs at, at a high level. And that's, that's on the ground. Yeah, she is for sure. And even, like, I, I forgot which fight it was, but there was, like, some jab, fainting, some lateral movement, which is so important. And mm -hmm. uh, so I'm very excited to see her fight next. Sorry about that, man. I lost you. No worries, no worries at all. Are you guys going to start working anyway? Yeah, Dustin's get, he's getting ready right now anyway. So. All right. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, before you go, I was just asking you, can you talk about Boca Boxing? Sure. Um, one of the things I always wanted to do was open up a gym of my own. Um, once I, once I retired and I think the news of the, of the expectance of my son just gave me more drive and motivation to do that. Like I always wanted to have something of my own and, um, that was it. Once my wife said she was pregnant, I said, you know what? It's time to do it. If I don't do it now, then I'm never going to do it. So. How old is your son? He is 16 months today. Right, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Motivation. Today, and uh, um, no, there there are times where we we train here. You know, obviously Dustin's here now, and American Top Team is they're still closed, but they're open for the professional fighters. Okay. Uh, but you know, like I said, I've been here a year now, so there are times where we mix it up. Sometimes the guys just like to get out of um, the environment of where they train everything. You know, like they do their kickboxing there, they wrestling there, and you name it. So their strength and conditioning. Sometimes, sometimes when you're entering the same environment gets a little stale so sometimes guys like to vary it up and just just mix it up a little bit just get a little bit of a different look and um you know a lot of the guys that i'm working with um just like to appreciate the breath of fresh air sometimes uh, so sometimes i mix it up i'll go there and sometimes we'll just stay here two fights coming up right yeah uh let's see george uh george is getting ready for his fight it's not contracted yet, but they're thinking in uh, in April. I'm not sorry, April, July. Uh, Dustin's fighting the 27th. Yeah, fighting Dan. And then uh, I started working with Randy Costa today. He actually just came to check us out. He's he's giving us a trial run. I think he likes 
he likes the gym. Um, and I also worked with um, Charles Rosa, who was called on a short notice fight. I forget the name of his opponent, but uh, he's going to be fighting in about two weeks. You know, Charles Rosa is actually just coming off a fight himself, so yeah, yeah, no yeah. better, no better way to get to uh, get the uh, bad taste out of your mouth than just to get back in there and try to get a W. You know. And you got Jillian uh, Robertson who's fighting soon too, I guess. Yes, Jillian Robinson. She's fighting in Canada. Yeah, he was supposed to be in Canada, but I guess he would be in on um, on the Apex in Las Vegas. But he was supposed to be in Canada at first, yeah. Right, 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 right. That's correct. And uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Wendy Costa because um, I did an interview with him like uh, okay. two weeks ago. Okay. And um, he has a pretty funny style. Actually, his style is pretty, pretty interesting because yes, he, right. he kind of put everything. Like... Please go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying he put a lot of stuff that are very interesting, but he put he mixes it up together, kind of like in a very unique way. You don't see many fighters who moves like him. He has kind of like some right. awkward movements and took some bits from fighters left and right. It's pretty interesting how, how he fights. Right. 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 Yeah, uh, he's got a great style. He's got a, an interesting style. Um, I think it's going to be very, very exciting. But I'm not trying to... Sorry, I got, wait, wait. I got some uh, some construction happening in the house. Um, but I, I'm actually just trying to capitalize. I'll go outside. Give me one second. Pardon me. Yeah, sorry about that. No problem. Yeah, no, he's got a he's got a very fan friendly file, friend, friendly style. He's a striker, so I'm only gonna look to improve on on his great attributes, man. Just a couple things we need to tighten up with him, but I think he's got the goods for sure. Did he do just one session, or is he gonna stay a little bit? Yeah, today today, today was our first session. Because actually, when I when I interviewed him like a few weeks ago. He was in um, he was in Florida, but just because like his parents, they have like a home there. And I mentioned if you wanted to go to top team to ATT, just exactly. you know to to train a little bit. He said maybe he just checked around, but that, that's pretty cool. Right. And actually, well, so from from what from every interview that I did from fighters, coaches, he was one of the most uh, analytical person I talked to. Like I even sent him some footage of his own fights, right. and he broke right. it down. It was super cool wow. to so, like yeah. For example, there was like a few sequences from his last fight that were interesting, and I said to him, and he broke it down like, oh, he made his opponent draw the right hand so he can counter stuff like this using hip feint, jab feint, switching stance stuff like this. So it was very cool to have someone who's willing you know, to share the secrets a little bit, and uh, right. yeah, that's cool that you got someone uh, like him. You know, everyone relatively trains like the same thing it's all about how you get off what it is that you'd like to get off you know you have to be like tricky in, in certain instances you know if you want to you want to look to uh, throw a jab but a guy's got really good defense you know obviously you want to you want to try to faint to put him in a defensive posture to uh be able to get those strikes off but uh you know for the most part it just it just boils down to iq and what are you going to do to you know get those strikes inhibit and get those strikes off 
basketball, we talked about this before. You know, you remember, yeah. like in the 2000, the San Antonio Spurs, the way they played? With like Tim oh, Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were a dynasty, yeah. Everybody they were very knew. boring. They were very boring to watch, but their fundamentals were solid. Everybody knew what they were going to do, but the execution was right. so perfect that you were not able to, to really defend against it because there was too many sweat all around. And I feel like in boxing or MMA, it's the same kind of thing sometimes at some point, at some high level. It's more about how sharp you are and how well it's executed or well it's time that you cannot really defend it. Right, right. And so you Absolutely. mentioned you're going to train with Jorge for his fight? Uh, you know what? I work with him a little bit, but I mean, he's got his trainer. Um, every now and then, you know, when his trainer's not available, I'll, I'll try to fill in for him. But uh, he works with um, Paulino, who's been his uh, striking coach for God knows how long. But, um, you know, they, they work very well together. And whenever Paulino's not available, then I'll, I'll step in. But yeah, I think this is the first time I watched Jorge fight, like, Long time ago, he was already with him, so it must have been for like more than ten years, yeah, probably. Exactly. Right, right. But like, I know that Jorge they spar with Dustin sometimes. Say it again. Jorge Masvidal yes. and Dustin they spar a lot together. Oh yes, yes, yes. Actually, they um they worked together last week Thursday. They sparred. And uh, it, was, it was great. It was good work. I, I said one time to to Jorge in the tweet that I will pay a lot of money to get those tapes. Just because they are both very, very yeah, good boxers, right. it must be cool to watch them. For to sure. watch them both like go a, together, like, yeah. Definitely like a pay-per-view event, you know, and you're watching it for free. So, yeah, about uh, Dustin, you mentioned he has, like, that fight. I think it's official, right, that he fight Dan Hooker? It, it is official. I don't know if it's been announced um, publicly, but it's official. It's happening. Uh, what do you think about the matchup? I think stylistically, Hooker is uh, he's a game. He's a game opponent. Uh, he's very solid. Um, he can be tricky at times because he, he does like to switch from orthodox to southpaw. Uh, I think when he when he tends to go in his southpaw stance, he doesn't offer much. You know, he offers a, like a high kick, a body kick, um, or a straight left hand. But other than that, he really doesn't offer much out of that southpaw stance. He's, uh, his defense is very poor in a south in a southpaw stance. So I think. You know, we're just going to bring the best Dustin Poirier uh, to that night, and we're going to keep it close quarters, and we're going to look to take them apart. You got five rounds, or it's three rounds? Five rounds, right? It's five rounds. It's scheduled five rounds. I hope it is five rounds. I hope it is. No, no, no. It's the main event. It's scheduled five rounds. Okay, perfect then. Yeah, because I'm often frustrated with, like, great matchup when it's only, like, three rounds. I often mm -hmm. want to see more, so I guess five rounds is... It's pretty good. I think it's a pretty good matchup for, for Dustin, too. Absolutely. I think, you know, like I said, Hooker's a game, solid guy. And, uh, you know, he's experienced. I think he's got, like, close to 30 fights. So, it's yeah. definitely a solid matchup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. He's on he a six-fight win streak, right? And he has, like, yeah, he is, and he has, like, a, a, a fun si uh, profile in the division. He's very long, which is not always the case in the lightweight right. division. Right, right. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And um, I think it's a good fight for Dustin to come back after the Habib fight. Absolutely. And uh, I was wondering, you know, like for for so many years, Dustin he fought with that hip injury that he had for like yeah. three, four years, maybe. I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah, easily. And yeah. obviously, the hip injury handicap is kicking game. Like that's why he never get, be able to get that high with the kick. Do you think right. the hip 
now that it's fixed, it will help his boxing too, that he gets a little bit Absolutely. more movement. He, he, he's doing things with his hip now that he wasn't even doing before. Like, I, during some of the sparring matches, we're like, damn, well, where did that come from? But we, all, we obviously know that, you know, his hip has been repaired and, and back to 100%. He said he feels better than, you know, prior to uh, no injury with the hip, like when he had a regular hip. I'm like, oh, you, you're just a bionic man now, huh? Because I, I could be wrong, but that's how I felt, you know, when I watched uh, Dustin footage, when he's in the, the center of the octagon, he felt that he could not go too long in exchanging and he had to reset from time to time. And I thought maybe the, yeah. the hip injury was part of it because he could not lean too much on his left side. Maybe I could be wrong here, but that's how I felt. No, possibly. I mean, the hip has been compromised for some time. So, you know, obviously, like when you've got something that's compromised, you just learn to fight through it. You know, yeah. just kind of deal with the pain. He's been doing that for years, but uh, now yeah. he no longer has to do that. So. Yeah, actually, when I think about it, uh, I talked about it with Phil Dao, his strength and conditioning coach, about the um, training with the pain. And I was like, mm -hmm. Dustin, you know, uh, fight, uh, fight streak that he had at lightweight from the Jim Miller to the Max Holloway victory. Is that one of the best fight streak there is in MMA? And he did it with... You know the the, the win streak that Dustin went from Jim Miller to Max right. Holloway is like one of the right, best right, there right. is in MMA. It's like one of the best five win streak that there is, and it's yeah, crazy. I mean, it's crazy that he did it with only one hip. <laughs> I know, isn't that? And that's impressive, man. You know, considering those names, you know, you got Max Holloway, you got uh, Eddie Alvarez, you got uh, Pettis. I mean, all good quality former champions, you know, Gaethje, all quality guys, man. So, yeah, I mean, that goes to show you. I, I think you know. last time we spoke, it was just before Gaethje fought Ferguson. It was like a few days before. What uh, did you think about Gaethje's performance against Ferguson? To be honest with you, I, I still haven't seen the fight. I've only okay. seen highlight. Um, yeah, I was trying to stream it on my fire stick that night. I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't want to pay for it, man. I was being the cheap route. So I was trying to stream it on my fire, my fire stick. I got like the first round and I guess they got hit to me and just shut me down. Well, there's a good chance that Gaethje and Dustin, they will fight again in the future. You will have time to watch it at the time, but it's a very, Absolutely. very good performance. It's crazy. Or he went from being that just pressure fighter to become a great counter fighter, counter striker. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's mm -hmm. very amazing. I think, from someone from boxing, you will you will enjoy it for sure. Right, yeah. I heard he definitely did fight with a different type of IQ. I think um, his mindset is always just bring and force the action without um, kind of reckless abandonment. And uh, I think going forward, and especially after the Dustin fight, I think he realized, like, you know, that always kind of forward aggression is not always going to get you to win. You have to be tactical. You have to be smart about you know, how you're trying to expose a guy or, or essentially knock him out. So, um, you know, I like, I like to see that. I like to see guys grow and elevate from their experiences and their losses. So, uh, yeah, it should be an, an interesting matchup if we happen to get that fight again. Well, talking about moving on from mistake or experiences, uh, just last time right. we spoke, we were kind of interrupted by Dustin just when we were talking about something, is that in the, it's interesting to watch the two two Alvarez fights that he had. Because mm -hmm. in the first one, uh, Dustin lack of patience, it's kind of rushing stuff, getting to get caught with right. the left hook. That kind of, since right. then, everything went bad in that fight with the knee and everything. Mm -hmm. And we kind of agree right. he should not have been caught by that left hook at the time. 
100%. Yeah. And actually, if you watch the finish of the rematch with Alvarez, he's still like pursuing a lot, getting the left hand on the open and near the cage, finishing the fight. But he ducked under right. like a right hook and he even feint through the, the combo, which, which mm -hmm. uh, made Alvarez um, hesitate to, to counter because he didn't know when Dustin was in and when he was out. And I was like, oh, that's so great to see someone improve that much and learn that the last time he was in that position, he made a mistake. Right. Yeah. So it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that. Like, we've talked about it, that in sparring. I mean, obviously, in sparring, it's just practice. You're not really looking to put guys away. But, um, you know, like, instances have happened like that in sparring. Like, you'll clip a guy and he's, you know, kind of like not looking to go for a finish, but just trying to apply a little bit more pressure. And he'll end up getting, you know, run into something in the meantime. I always told him, this is prior to the Eddie, Eddie fight. And then it happened in the fight. So it happened firsthand. Um, you know, he actually got a, a real taste of experience in a real fight. So, um, you know, that was one of the things that we talked about. And he says, you know what? You mentioned this to me before, but going forward, if I get Eddie hurt, when I get Eddie hurt, I'm going to be patient about getting him out of there rather than just running in with reckless abandonment and getting caught like, like he did uh, in the first fight. And sure enough, you know, he went out there and, and proved it. And not, not only did he say it, but he went out and proved it as well. So, you know, it was like a proud, proud moment. Yeah, that's what it was great for a coach. Must be like, yes, we got yeah. stuff together there yeah, for sure. And, and the finish in that one was amazing. And uh, especially against a guy like Alvarez, who's so tough, who's always been under the fire and being able to come back when he's hurt. It's, it's great that he was able to finish it like this. Um, yeah, some guys are like that, man. You, get, you back those guys up into a, a corner that they don't want to be in, those guys come alive, man. So you just got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Eddie Alvarez, he's game all the way till the end. Always, for the sure. Guy hurt, he could be on shaky, leg, shaky legs. Shit, I, sometimes I say when guys are on shaky legs, they're on rollerblades. Or they got ice skates on. They just, they just don't know it. Automatically, they're in an ice rink somewhere and they're just slipping. But they can still land one of those dangerous punches. You know, talking about what you say, play fight to the fighters and what advice to give them and watch it. Can you talk about uh, the scooting you do before the fights? Do you watch a lot of tape or do you talk more with Mike Brown about just game plan and don't watch too much tape? Actually, we all, we all watch tape together, you know? So, like, so Dustin will watch tape. Well, like I said, we'll all watch tape together. But he'll watch tape with us, but we'll no longer watch tape going forward. Like, basically, he's seen what he needs to see, so he knows what he needs to do. The rest is on the coaches to, to strategically plan and, you know, operate to get the decision or, or result that we're looking for. So, um, you know, we'll continue. Me and Mike Brown will continue to watch tape uh, going forward. Like, it was like a couple of weeks ago, we all sat down and we met up on a Sunday and we all watched tape. We must have watched like five or six fights of Hooker, for example. And then um, after that, you know, that's it, Dustin. He got what he needs. It's in his memory bank now. He knows what he needs to do. The rest is up to the coaches to practice on what we'd like to get done in the fight. Mm -hmm. And talking about your relation with uh, Mike Bond, do, do you feel sometimes in the corner, like when you corner a, a fighter, whether it's Dustin or someone else, mm -hmm. it, it's very important not to say too much also because your fighter, you know, is try as you're a former fighter, you probably know this, that you cannot right. receive like a lot of information, like a lot of information at the same time because you're right. trying to get your breeze together, you're trying to 
to recover. To just so normally, the... like the like when when the bell rings, the, the fighter comes back to the corner, give him give him a few seconds to breathe, let him get that water. Um, you know, you want to make sure that when they're sitting down, like they're at a point where okay, now I have your attention, because you know you come back to the corner, you're just coming from a scramble, or you know you could be in a position where you're on the ground, you come back to the corner, ding ding ding. Okay, let you get let you get your breath, get your wind together. All right, once you got your wind together, you got your water. After about ten seconds, it goes by. All right, now it's time to talk. And 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 basically, the talk is just fine details. You just want you want bullet points. You don't want uh, a summary of things to do. Like just just give me what it is that that you see, what you think I need to do. Okay, I'm done. My brown will talk. That's it. Bullet points, and then you go back out and take care of business. The more you get to know the fighter, the easiest it gets, right? Because you know right. how they react to some stuff, like, and you know how they perform under whatever, how they react to what they say, so it gets easier. But first, it must take a bit of time, right, to to know, or like, or like to pick, poke someone, or to make them react, or to talk to them. Like some fighters, Absolutely. they don't mind if you scream at them. Those they will shy away from it, stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah, no, some, some guys are more sensitive than others. You know, yelling at a guy in the corner, hey, man, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> hey, relax. Yeah, and... Um, some, guys, some guys need to be smacked. Sometimes you, my dad used to smack me in the corner sometimes, you know? Like, there would be a times where I'm just fighting not to my ability, you know? I get back to the corner, no water, nothing. Wow, smack me. What are you doing? Oh, shit. All right, all right. <laughs> Twerk sometimes. Oh, all the, yeah, sometimes it works. It all depends on the relationship, you know? And um, uh, about Dustin, do you feel like probably the best fight he ever had, or the best performance he had was against Max Holloway, the rematch, if you take account the quality of the opponent and how well he performed that night? Uh, let's see. I, I would rate... I would rate... Max, he definitely performed well against Max. I think he also performed very well against Gaethje, you know, considering, like, Gaethje was definitely chopping away at that leg. And, uh, you know, he still happened to come back. He still box beautiful. Um, honestly, the, the Gaethje fight sits a little bit more with me because I felt like it was, a, a, a like, a proper boxing match, you know what I mean, with four-ounce gloves on. Um, yeah, great fight. Both, both fights. I, obviously, with the Max fight, you know, he walked away with the interim title. Probably the highlight of his of his career, so I'm gonna say about fifty fifty between Gaethje and, and Holloway. Yeah, I love both of them. The Gaethje fight it really feels like a war, like it's so dangerous. Every minute you're like, I oh, got them, it's gonna stop here. And right, right. Holloway is more like a brilliant technical, masterful fight from both of them. Exactly, exactly. Like you know, they scored that fight like pretty wide for Dustin, but I felt Max did well in that fight also. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Well, a couple times he, uh, you know. He was on a, on a defensive move-in. A couple times he was on offensive. So he definitely switched up his game plan quite a bit. So Dustin didn't know which max he was going to get, uh, you know, into going into another round. He was like, you just just kept changing it up, which is awesome. Yeah, I, it's probably one of my favorite fights in, in UFC, the one with Holloway. Uh, because I, I like Max a lot also. I love his style. I think he, right. he is so good. I think he, he kind of – he was so good at the time. Now he's a little bit – down those days, but we'll see when he gets yeah, back up. Yeah. But, uh, right. but that fight for sure, it was interesting to see because there was a lot of people before the fight that believe that Dustin will lose the pocket exchanges, and he actually did not. He, he was so right. sharp in the pocket. Mm -hmm. And um, 
there's something about Dustin you know, that people always say he's a good boxer, which is true. But he also used some like weapons that will not be said are correct, like in boxing. Like for example, you know when when Holloway circles to towards Dustin right side, he will get that leaping uh, lead hook that leave him wide open, but it works. Right, and right. Do you feel as you come from boxing first, you have to let some part of freedom to your fighter that you know they use stuff that works for MMA that would not work just for boxing? Absolutely. I mean, there are times where that's not though like a, a a wide or overhand left hook, but then he'll go orthodox and then throw a right cross. So yeah, obviously it's just a little bit different. Like or again, he'll throw like an overhand, uh, overhand left, and then and then turn it into an orthodox jab. So some things work better in MMA than you know that don't transition over from boxing, but work well for MMA. As long as it works for MMA, that's the most important point. Yeah, exactly. That exactly. was, it's I guess, that nice. that was the biggest challenge and most important thing for you when you start right. coaching, not to think boxing, but to think boxing yeah, exactly. in MMA. Exactly. Keep an open mind. You know, sometimes these guys have have something that they identify with that works for them. So, like I said, I won't I won't change up a fighter per se, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to add to his uh, to his attributes, his good attributes. Gillian's next fight. Um, okay. Because she's someone who's improving on the feet, but she's not yet at the level. Right, right. She's, she's on the she's, she's on the ground. She's on the ground right. for sure. And she's amazing and, on it. Amazing. Uh, on it, yeah. Amazing. I, I love to watch her on the ground. She's and actually, I had an interview with our coach Dean Thomas, and we talk about. Uh, it was it was awesome. He's super smart. We talk about like, or oh, everything you do is just for MMA. You don't want to be just a good striker. You know, like we mentioned, and right. he was like. He loves that she understands that and that she doesn't need to become, you know, like Lomachenko. <laughs> she will never be that. But she needs right. just to have enough striking to be at least comfortable on the feet, not getting tagged too much, right. like not letting your hands go back to your hips after a jab, stuff like this, you know, correcting. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a mistake. solid base. A solid base. Um, you know, obviously we know that striking is not her forte. She's getting better at it for sure. But, um, you know, her game is... Her game is ground, you know. If she gets you to the ground, she's a grappler. So um, we want to strengthen her striking enough to where she can manipulate the fighter to get them where she ultimately wants to be, which is the ground. That was my ultimate question, was that do you feel she already reached that good level where she can at least draw reaction from her opponent and then time some takedown, some like single legs, because she will draw the, the opponent to jab, you know, by fencing, stuff like this? She's already there? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, she's uh, she's there now. I mean, I'm confident in that. Um, to say that she's there now, uh, we've been working that quite a bit, and she's actually she's doing it quite a bit in sparring now. So I'm excited to see her next fight. I'm excited, you know, to see everything transition into from gym to now fight. Yeah, Sam, I'm very hyped to see her fight because I know she's. I think she's not ranked, or she was. She used to be 15, but uh, I'm willing to bet that in the next two years she'll be top five. Like on the ground, there's nobody that can, maybe the champ, but right. apart from that, there's right. nobody right. that can deal with her. It's like super impressive. Absolutely. So, and, and yeah, she was definitely she was within the top 15 now, but the, the opponent that she's facing is now ranked number 15. So, okay. Know, after, after the 20th, we'll have a ranking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she seems to be like one of those good students of the game, you know, just willing to train and learn. Super humble, too. 
So right. I just I wish her the best, and I'm sure she do pretty well. Thank you, thank you so much. One thing that seems to be just only from a few years ago, few uh, decades, is that it seems that losing in boxing is the end of the world. Where in MMA, it's, it's all right to lose. Losing is not that no. important. It's, yeah, it's very unfortunate that it's, it's, uh, that, that's the mindset for most of the, I wouldn't say the enthusiasts, but like, you know, it's just, it just sucks. Like for the, for the fan out there, they say, oh, he's got a loss now. Like, oh, I'm done with him. Like, you can't be that though. You can't be like that. You know, like you look at some of the, the UFC guys, some of the Hall of Famers, some of them have double digit losses, bro. You know what I mean? 14, 15 losses, 11 losses. A guy with 11 losses in boxing is considered a bum. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that, that that's the case. I mean, you look at a guy like Manny Pacquiao, he's got eight losses. But, I mean, he's for sure a shoe-in, you know, first-time ballot Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. You look, up at, look how many times he's champion in, in several different weight classes. Yeah, eight-weight world champion. So, right. <laughs> if he does eight times, yeah. But for I sure. Mean, come on. In boxing, not everyone's a, a, Floyd, a Floyd Mayweather. You know, some, some guys have off nights. Obviously, you know. In boxing, you don't want to have an on-off night, but sometimes it happens. You know? And that's why it's always great when you see guys with like four or five loss getting back there, you know, because they learn from experience and, and, the, and the correct mistake and they come back. Right. Like, yeah, that's always very enjoyable. And uh, yeah, is there like some big names that you really like nowadays? In boxing? Yeah, just like a few fighters you really enjoy to watch or, or study a little bit. Uh... Got me on that one. Let's see. You know what? Uh, I like Teofimo Lopez. I do like him coming up. Uh, I like Devin Haney. I really like the lightweight division, man. That's a very exciting division. You still got Lomachenko there. Um, uh, let's see. You got Tevin Farmer. Uh, who's the guy that just beat him? This is Jojo Diaz. So, the lightweight division is very exciting. Um, you know, the heavyweight division is, is shaped up quite a bit over recent years. Um, yeah, I'd say, I, honestly, I have my eye on the light, lightweight division more than any other division. Uh, actually, I, I love the lightweight division too because uh, I, I wrote an article about Theo Lopez before he, he fought Comey, Richard Comey. It was good also, by the way. And uh, because now that he lost, everybody say he sucks, but now he's a good boxer too. And uh, but Theo, Theo Lopez he, is pretty interesting, pretty interesting. And I hope that fight with Lomachenko is gonna still happen because it was supposed to happen like last month. Did they actually they schedule day? Yeah, it was supposed to be May 30, like two days. It should have been two days ago if right. everything was planned. And um, now it's start to be doesn't look that good that it happens. It would be a shame because I feel Lomachenko in his a name. Yeah. His resume and Lopez is definitely like a big, big prospect who's legit. Sure. And um, and it's an interesting fight because Lopez is so big at lightweight and he has that, that yeah. big power. And of course, it's a good test for him to face one of the best in Lomachenko. Right. And, right. Um, yeah. and you got uh, Ryan Garcia. Yeah, for, yeah, coming soon and serious about it. And um, yeah, the, I used to be a, as I use, I'm a big Gennady Golovkin fan. It just that is old now. So it starts to be a bit less and less. Yeah. yeah, but he had a great career though. It was fun yeah. being a fan of Triple G. And uh, do you think that there's a few 
Uh, is there like a few MMA fighters you love to watch also? Doesn't have to be right now, it can be in history. Uh, let's see. What do I like right now? Yeah, it's, it's really not a brain buster, but I'm just trying to think. Off the top of my head, who do I like right now? I like the I like Adesanya. He's he's very exciting to watch. Uh, I think he brings um, exciting fights. You know, he's very smart, uh, good fighter IQ. And I mean, even though like he got beat up by the fans about the Yoel Romero fight, I think he fought a smart fight. You know, essentially you just want to go out there and make sure you got the W. Yoel is very very uh, explosive, you know. You don't want to get hit by anything that he brings because you get by something like that, it could be an early night. And obviously the, the, the objective is to keep your title, keep winning, and you may have a shit performance one night, but at least you won, and you go out and have a, a stellar performance the next next time out. But ultimately yeah. just go out there and win. You know, not every fight is going to be uh, fan-friendly, Rock 'em, sock 'em, barn burner, you know? Yeah, and even more than losing, you, it's not like you basketball, it's not just you lose. It's that losing against Romero is you're gonna lose brain, and you're gonna have brain damage, you can lose a lot of stuff. You can, like, he's so dangerous. Like, you see what happened to Whitaker after the two right. fights with him, his body break. Like, it, it started to be tough. And so, I, I understand completely, like, the, the way he fought. I always say, you know, like, of course, me, I love like crazy fighters, like, you know, like Arturo Gadi, stuff like this, because every fight just crazy fights. But right. as a pro fighter, it makes sense to fight like Adesanya did. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, listen, man, I, I, I get it. Guys want to be safe at the end of the day. You know, your, your fighting career is it's not forever, you know. People got a family to go home to and they want to, you know, make sure they retire with all their wits intact and still be able to speak properly. And, um, you know, not have the shakes. Yeah, man, no. It's a lot that goes into the fight game, man. So, And also, I feel sometimes the fans, they are a bit tough on fighters because, like, if you watch Adesanya's fights so far, all of his fights are super entertaining. They were just this one. Or, like, the yeah. matchup didn't make it great. It wasn't, it wasn't a good fight, but it happened. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's stylistic, stylistic matchups yeah. that turn out to be as exciting as you thought they would be, you know? These guys don't match up well stylistically. And, uh, but I like Adesanya because he's like a perfect example of how to transition from another sport to MMA. Mm -hmm. Like right. he's a world champ, top pound for pound kickboxer. And when he joined the UFC, everybody was like, oh, he's going to get out grapple and everything. Right. And he's dope. That's, ama that's amazing though to me. It's like, I think MMA is probably one of the only sports where guys can come from another sport and do relatively well. And it's just, it's, It just baffles me. Like, look at somebody like Greg Harvey, you know? NFL player, comes in MMA, making headlines. So, it's just very rare. Very, very rare. It's probably one of the only sports where you can do that, you know? Yeah, there was, there was like, some other example. I feel at heavyweight also, Travis Brown, he used to play basketball. Walter right. Harris used to play basketball, too, at pretty high level. He almost got drafted. So, in the NBA, so he was, like, pretty high-level athlete. You got like wow. many guys like this who, yeah, who, who become MMA fighters from other sports. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I truly give yeah. other looks and everything. 
And yeah, like I, I could not see someone. But yeah, like even Jordan, when he moved to baseball, he wasn't a success at all. You know, like oh, and, not, uh, <laughs> not at all. and like, it was didn't even take, make it to the majors. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, yeah, that's great. So so you're pretty busy this month, I guess. Yeah, because you you will travel with Dustin for right. his fights. Right, well, right. Do you know the location, or is it not? Uh, it's gonna be in Vegas. It's gonna be at the Apex Center. Okay, so it's not Fight Island, not yet. I think there's they'll probably have fights scheduled for Fight Island, but I don't I don't think any will happen in June. That's just oh. that's just my take. If well, Dustin's, yeah. Dustin will probably be the last fight before Fight Island. So just before I let you go on the, on Fight Week. Do you fly at the same time as Dustin, or do you meet him a little bit later in the week? No, we'll we'll, we'll all leave together as a team. Okay. Yeah. And so okay. you left the day after the fight. Yeah. Even if I there's always. Always, always, always. Yeah, I mean, knock on wood, we, we've never had to stay an extra day due to injury or anything else like that. But yeah, typically the fighters go home the next day. Oh, all right. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for the time today again, man. And uh, hopefully after that series of fight, we can break down their performance and chat a little bit if you have time. That would be awesome. Yeah, you got it, man. Thank you so much, man. Pleasure talking All to right. you as always. Always, always. Have a great day. Thank you. See you, brother.